Burgergate, sign-stealing scandal, national champion. Those are the events that have happened this year for Michigan Wolverines. It's like a Six Flags roller coaster is the best analogy you could give this Michigan Wolverines team this year with everything that has happened from them, all the distractions, the ups and downs. But in the end, an undefeated season and a national championship to bring back to Ann Arbor. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that for Michigan. Um, And we are going to talk about more in depth of this national championship game. But first things first, I want to welcome each and every one of you to Total Sports Talk Beyond the Lights, where I am your host, Matthew Raritan. And beside me is my co-host, David Street. What's up, everybody? And as you can see, we are missing our other co-host, Ed Smith. Uh, we kind of have this uh, new thing going on here on the show where it's this new virus that uh, is being transmitted through the computers. It's crazy, but David had it first. Now Ed has it. I'm probably next. Not even Norton could help us with this virus. But uh, well, you know, it's crazy because like I like we've had people tell us that they've been getting sick as well. So it's just that time of year. It is. It is election year. You are absolutely right. It is that time of year. I mean, yeah. you're nothing's going to stop you now. That's why we're getting uh, these viruses from the computer. So <laughs> it's just how it is. But yeah. uh, we do hope Ed gets uh, uh, better. Uh, David was sick and how he is uh, getting better, too. So uh, something just a little rest, some little chicken noodle soup, whatever it may be to help you feel better. But Ed, feel better. We look forward to having you back next episode. But we did have. A crazy game last night, I'll tell you that. And boy, did I not see this coming. I will say what David loves to say. I will eat crow with how I predicted this game. And if you don't remember last episode, we had our predictions of how things were going to play out. But we also before that had uh, who had the advantage on each different category. And at the end of those, Ed and David were tied two to two. So I said tiebreaker is going to be who can predict the right outcome. Well, even though he's not here, Ed won that one, as he predicted, as the only one out of us three, Michigan to win. And, well, Michigan did indeed win, and they capped off a perfect year, a perfect season. And it it was amazing for me to watch as an Oregon fan, I'll tell you that. I mean, to watch the first two touchdowns by Donovan Edwards, oh man, I was loving that. And I I don't like to see people or teams struggle. It was hard to watch with um, with Michael Penix Jr. It, it, it just he looked uncomfortable, and by the end of the game, he was vi- he was feeling very uncomfortable. I don't know yet if he has broken ribs or whatever it may be but clearly he had an injury at the end of the game he could barely throw the ball but he left everything out on the field he did not want to give up even though the game was far out of reach he still left it on the field so I give him all the credit for that but in the end Michigan Wolverines won the game 34 to 13 and there were times where I felt Washington was going to be back in this game like that. I'm sure David remembers I sent a chat in our group chat. I said, no, they're going to score here. Something They're going to have a big play, and Washington's going to score and tie this game. It just felt like that was going to happen because that's what Washington has done all year is big plays after big plays. And, well, they could not do that at all last night. They struggled. You're looking at 
the Joe Moore Award for the best offensive line look like they should have never even been a finalist because that's how great that defensive line for Michigan was last night. Although they only sacked Michael Penix one time, they were on him like white on rice. They were just on top of him. The He was uncomfortable within the, the pocket. The run game was nowhere to be found, and he could not get the ball to any of his elite receivers. I mean, there were times where he was rushing it so much he wasn't even in the vicinity of his receivers, or he didn't even see that they were wide open. This was not the Michael Penix we saw for 14 games in a row. So it, it was it was tough to see uh, a star quarterback like that struggle. But in the end, Michigan did what they did best. They brought a defense that just would blank you. Uh, J.J. McCarthy looked calm, cool, and collected as he has pretty much the whole year. And that running game, I mean, Donovan Edwards, as we know, is a great running back. But Blake Corum, rightfully so, is running back one. So to see... Donovan Edwards with those two early touchdowns, and then Blake Corum with his touchdowns. It's like this was recipe for success for Michigan. They controlled that game from from start to finish. So, uh, did I see it being like this? No, I did not. I I thought Washington was going to win. That's why I predicted them to win. But hey, I am okay being wrong when it comes to our rivals not winning. So that's how I looked at it. Uh, it. It was nice to see Jim Harbaugh. I li- I've always liked Jim Harbaugh, so it was nice to see him win. Um, the question remains, where will he go from here? He just got his million-dollar bonus from winning the championship, and, well, is he going to be gone? So, David, I mean, how did you feel about the game itself? And, I mean, Harbaugh, you think he's going to be gone too? Well, I'll, I'll tell you where Harbaugh's where Harbaugh is going to go. Um, it has to do with uh, bringing your phone back to life, if you, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. But uh, as for the game, Matthew, um, doesn't doesn't this Michigan ke- Michigan team sort of feel like a throwback to the way that teams used to win championships in in college football? Man, I mean, because you know they have a great running game, uh, elite shutdown defense, and a quarterback who may not be elite per se, but his main strength is efficiency, and that's what Michigan has been all season long is efficiency. And I'm not surprised by uh, by by the result. And honestly, I'm not even sure I should be surprised by how the result ter- ter- turned out. Um, well, let me let me take let me take that back. What I meant to say was I'm not surprised Michigan won, but I also really, when I think about it, should not be surprised by the result by how it turned out. Because Matthew, this is pretty much this is pretty much what Michigan has done to teams all season long there's only been like what three maybe four teams um that were within single digits of of michigan but other than that michigan has blown out everybody um they've played and uh and when i when i look at washington and i tell you what even as i predict washington to win on on our last episode i gotta be honest i kind of felt a voice in my head saying that like, no, you, you need to pick Michigan. Like, you know, that's the more logical pick, but I was so deep in my uh, temporary Washington fandom that I, f- I felt like I couldn't turn back. Like I just had to, I just had to dig deeper and deeper and go with Washington. But you know, when I, when I really think about it, man, um, lately, like what I've noticed is that 
the college football teams that have that have been winning championships for the most part, it's one of two teams. It's either a team that's led by a game-changing quarterback or it's a team that's elite, maybe not at the QB QB position, but elite ever, everywhere else. And having an elite defense certainly helps as well. But what what but I look at the teams that had that 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 won it all with game-changing uh quarterbacks like quarterbacks that just completely changed the trajectory of the program. You know, uh, Florida with Tim Tebow, Auburn with Cam Newton, uh, LSU, uh, you know, with uh, w- with Joe Burrow, um, Texas with Vince Young. Um, and then I look at teams that didn't have elite quarterbacks, but they were stout ever, everywhere else. Uh, Ohio State 2014 when they were when they were down to a third string uh, Cardale Jones. Pretty much most of uh, Coach Saban's uh, Alabama teams. Um, the, the Georgia teams that won back-to-back championships, you know, uh, with, with Stetson Bennett, I'm looking at Washington and is my, is Michael Penix elite? Yes. But in my opinion, he is not a game changer. Like he, and I know it's easy to say this now. And I know, I know hindsight is, is a 2020, but I don't think he was ever truly the kind of quarterback that could truly, you know, lift you the way, the way that Joe Burrow, um, and, uh, and, uh, can't Cam Newton did. And certainly that defense wasn't going to, uh, get you, uh, any, any, anywhere at all. Um, and I think you make a great point about the offensive line. Sure. They only gave up, uh, one sack, but like how many of those throws did Michael Penix make just out of pure desperation because he was about to get sacked by a monstrous Michigan defender. Right. Um, and by the way, did you see the stat that apparently, Michigan is the first team in like what 120 years or something like that to not give up 25 points at all. Like in any game, they did not give up. They they did not give up 25 25 points in any game this year, which is insane. Now let me let me ask you this because people have already been talking about it. Who was a better defense, 2023 Michigan or 2021 Georgia? Uh, it's tough because I think Michigan, they are being slept on. I slept on them. Um, and it, it's tough after you saw last night what they did to even underestimate them even more. The 2021 Georgia defense was legendary. I mean, you're, we're talking about a team that didn't allow a single touchdown for their First several games until they played South Carolina, Spencer Rattler uh, was the first to get a touchdown on. I mean, it was insane how elite that defense was. So it's it's tough to really judge based off of that. But they're neck and neck. I will say that. But what do you think, dude? I I feel totally gross saying this, but that 2021 Georgia defense is the best defense that I've ever seen in in my lifetime. And it's not even just because of the insane numbers they put up, but they had ballers everywhere. And it certainly helped that Georgia set the record for most defensive players drafted in, in the first round. I mean, they were absolutely elite everywhere on, on that unit from the linebackers to the defensive back to the, uh, you know, defense, uh, defensive lines. Um, it was just crazy how, uh, how good those guys were. And, you know, speaking of defense, Matthew, I know this is going to sound crazy, but, Despite what the final score said, I actually do not think Washington's defense played that bad. They kept Michigan 
in check for um, long periods of, of of the game, right? And it was only toward the end when Washington was totally fatigued that Michigan was able to take advantage. Um, but despite the score saying that they let up 34 points, I really do not think the defense for Washington um, played that bad of a game. But what do you think? Yeah, I mean, just like uh, Coach Kalen DeBoer said even afterwards, he said that he felt that his team was in it, and I felt like they were in it despite what the score says because if you remember after halftime, uh, Washington their first was it their first play of that of the second half they he threw an interception mm-hmm. things could have went downhill big from there but they held him to a field goal and that defense held Michigan in check giving their offense all the opportunities in the world to at least get something and for the first time pretty much this whole year well, I don't say the first time pretty much this whole year but their offense couldn't get it done. Their offense let them down, uh, but that could also be because of how good that Michigan defense is. Michigan, was, we felt, was never really battle-tested. And mm. a lot of the critics said that because of who they played pretty much the entire regular season up until the game. So it's that's why Michigan's defense kept getting slept on. But now... Look at what they did and look at uh, what they did the entire year and they brought it into the postseason. So I I think that Washington had plenty of chances, but that offense couldn't muster anything whatsoever. And that defense was only going to be able to hold them for just, you know, however long they were. Oh, yeah. And then here's another issue that I've noticed with uh, with the national championship late lately, Matthew. And I don't know if you've noticed it either. Um but I don't know if you know this or not, but the last national championship to be a single-digit game happened in the 2017 season when Alabama beat Georgia in uh, overtime, I, I believe. But since then, all the games have been have been decided by double double digits. 2018, Clemson beat Alabama 44 to 16. 2019, LSU beat Clemson 42 to 25. 2020, Alabama over Ohio, Ohio State 42 to 24. Uh, 2020, 52 to 24, excuse me, not 42, 52 to 24, Alabama over Ohio State. Uh, 2021, Georgia over Alabama, 33 to 18. Now, in fairness, that was a pretty close game, and it was 2016, 26 to 18, Georgia. But Keeler Ringo got the pick six to uh, make the game look um, worse than, than what it was. Uh, 2022, we all remembered that 65 to seven Georgia TCO. And then obviously Michigan over Washington, 34 to 13. All of these games since 2017, Matthew have been decided by 15 points or more. And like I said, even though that Georgia Alabama national championship was a lot more competitive than what the score indicated, the bottom line is that the score still indicates a blowout victory. Like I consider if you beat a team by at least 15 points, I consider that to be a blowout. So what gives here? Like what, what is it going to take for these national championship games to be competitive again? Like why are, why are we seeing, um, why are we seeing these national championship games that are just, boring they're they're not competitive like there's a clear clear cut better team what gives here i think there's just you have teams that 
really show up when it matters the most. And then you have teams that don't. And we saw this in the Rose Bowl with Michigan. It seemed like they were going to be the team that didn't show up, that had this success in the regular season, but come postseason, they just didn't know how to play. They won that game, obviously, in overtime. Uh, it was They barely escaped that. But then this looked like a completely different Michigan team. And in all honesty, I think Washington did what we did. They they slept on that defense. But yeah, I get what you're saying, though. Like, what gives? What is going to take it to be an interesting one? Like, like we saw in, uh, was it 2005, Texas and USC? Right mm-hmm. down to the nitty gritty. classic, yes. Yeah, it's one of the best that we will ever see. And Ed, you'll love that we're talking about that. <laughs> but uh, we just don't see them like that anymore. I mean, it, and I think they were trying to change that by going from the BCS to the cultural players because we saw Notre Dame and Alabama play. It was not even close when that oh, happened. Twice. Notre Dame were frauds, man. Twice. And, yeah. then, you know, you had the BCS time and then you had college football playoff and it's like not even close at all so it's they were trying to eliminate that so I really like what they're doing but in all honesty we may see it more now than ever David you're gonna have teams in there that are going to squeak right in Mm -hmm. um that may get lucky they may get lucky and win a game and then show up to the national championship game and get absolutely destroyed like TCU did last year so I don't think it's going to change. I, I would love for it to. And there, I can't think of a specific rule that I would suggest to change that. But now that they've opened up the floodgates now more to allow more teams in there, you're going to get teams that jump on the opportunity but then may not show up in the national championship game. And that CTSU did that last year. They rightfully beat Michigan. Let's not discredit what TCU did. Everyone's going to talk crap about them because how much they lost to Georgia. But they jumped on that opportunity. They beat that Michigan team, but then they were just completely outmatched against that Georgia team. So I I don't know what will fix it, what will give, but I hope that we see another classic like the Rose Bowl with Texas and USC here soon. Absolutely. But uh, Jim Harbaugh, though, uh, I'm happy for the guy. It, all the adversity he f- he faced this year, just with the burger cheeseburger gate and the sign stealing, <laughs> you know, not only him but his players. The players could have easily been distracted. They may not have been able to do well with the interim coaches with Sharon Moore, uh, who is there, but they still did amazing they still won those games and they did their best to not be distracted so yeah yeah and you know i gotta say when we were making our predictions one thing that i did not take into consideration matthew that i really should have taken into is when it comes to michigan when you have a group of players who will go to hell and back for their coach you're not beating that team And I cannot believe I never took that into consideration. I'm not saying that, you know, Washington players wouldn't run through a wall for Kalen DeBoer. I'm sure they, they will, but those guys had Jim Harbaugh's back with all the crap that he was going through. Those players had his back and you just had to know that, listen, even if they were not going to win at all, 
you would have to pull it hard from the grip of their hands if you if you wanted it. Yeah, and also on top of that too, I mean, Blake Corum, remember, he didn't play in last year's college football playoffs, and he made a point of saying that in his post-game interview. This meant a lot to him. This was going to be his last game ever, so I should have really anticipated that he would have had a great game too. So, and I, big props to him for coming back from that injury he had last year. And keep in mind, when he had his injury last year, he was one of the Heisman favorites. So the, 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 he came back. Uh, stronger than ever so that that i, I want to give him a huge congrats there but i can't get over how much jim harbaugh looks like his dad jack i mean it it's crazy how much they look alike they they look more alike than him and john harbaugh do in my opinion <laughs> but in a moment that was really cool to see last night was john harbaugh uh go up to his brother jim on the sideline uh, and this was during the game too i mean you saw the game face on jim harbaugh but john harbaugh came over there kind of just wanted to say his uh two cents to his brother and all i could think of was look come to the chargers go back to the nfl I'm going to be in the Super Bowl most likely this year. And uh, yeah, good luck. <laughs> but hey, probably didn't you, say that. You know, you know what John said to Jim? He said, hey, buddy, I'm still 1-0 against you in the Super Bowl. You know, the game that's bigger than this game. It's probably exactly what he said. I mean, in a, in a brotherly rivalry, that's probably right. exactly what you would say too. But speaking of the NFL, uh, we had the last games of the year in the regular season uh, this last Sunday, which was the day before the national championship game. And uh, we weren't really disappointed because there was still a lot at stake for several teams and for several player incentives to get their bonuses. So it kind of made it a little fun this uh, week 18. But the first game was the Indianapolis Colts at the Houston Texans. And David, uh, I mean, Who's going to the playoffs between those two teams and who's not? The Houston Texans are off to the playoffs and the Colts are not. And I am, a, if there is a reason for me, for me to be sad, um, the Colts were actually my second favorite team uh, growing up because Peyton Manning was my uh, favorite quarterback. Um, I don't, I don't root for the Col- Colts any, anymore. Um, I don't hate them. I'm just kind of in, indifferent toward them. Um, but still, like the fact that the Colts were able or almost made the playoffs despite having that crazy quarterback situation of theirs is just you know uh, crazy to me. Um, but hats off to uh, to the Texans, man. Who would have? Who honestly saw that coming? Not even diehard Texans fans saw that coming. Yeah, I mean, her, before the season started, I almost put a futures bet actually on. Uh, the Texans to win the division, and man, that probably would that would have paid me really well. There was just something about them, but wow. the, thing that, the thing that held me back was Ohio State has never really had a successful quarterback in the NFL. So no, no. I didn't expect C.J. Stroud to do this well. And Domingo Ryan, yeah. yes, he's done. He did great with the Niners, but was this going to transfer over to a head coaching success? So I mean, do you see them getting uh, uh, awards this year? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know if CJ, CJ Stroud is going to be unanimous, uh, offensive rookie of the year because, uh, who's the guy from the Rams? Puka Natal. How do you say it? Puka Nakua. Puka Nakua. Yeah. You know, Puka, Puka Nakua put up some crazy numbers as a receiver. So I think he'll take some first place votes away from CJ Stroud, but CJ Stroud should definitely win offensive rookie of the year because let's not forget. 
the Texans in the last three or four years were something like 11 and 38, right? And then CJ Stroud, like a rookie comes in and leads this team that has been hot garbage to the playoffs, which is insane. And by the way, that, that's also why D'Amico Ryans should win coach of the year as well. Like really, this is like, this is D'Amico Ryans and CJ Stroud's team. They both, in my opinion, opinion, deserve equal credit for taking a Houston team that was hot trash into the playoffs with the AFC South uh, title. And let's not forget about Will Anderson too, right? Will Anderson also had a great rookie season as well. And you, you know, you know, you know what you notice there? That's three rookies right there, right? A rookie offensive player in CJ Stroud, a rookie defensive player in uh, CJ Anderson, and a rookie head coach in D'Amico Ryans. So as a Texans fan, you would hope that this is not a fluke. And I know what I'm, what I'm about to say is going to sound like I'm taking credit away from them. And I promise I'm not trying to do that. But I think they should also uh, thank the Jaguars for having the epic collapse they did. Because midseason, this seemed like the Jaguars' division to lose. Didn't it, Matthew? Absolutely. Yeah. And then they, and then they fell apart. Uh, so, uh, you know, hats off to the Texans, man. Um, and I think D'Amico Ryans should be, uh, well, I don't know. Unanimous is such a strong word and it should only go to people, um, that were just the absolute best of the best, but D'Amico Ryans absolutely should win coach of the year. CJ Stroud absolutely should win offensive rookie of the year. And I don't think Will Anderson should win defensive rookie of the year, but he's going to get votes and he'll definitely deserve to get some votes there. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with those guys being there. Um, you know, we are going to have a show here dedicated to our predictions for these awards. Um, and I think it's safe to say that the three of us will have D'Amico Ryans and CJ Shroud up there, but I don't know fully if uh, I can say that I think they'll win. Um, and that will be a discussion for our show that uh, when it comes, but uh, I think they will be at the end of the day, they'll be in, in the top two or top three of the votes in those respective awards. But speaking of the Jaguars, man, I mean, they collapsed more than the Berlin wall. Uh, that was just atrocious. And I want to thank them because, well, it helped my Pittsburgh Steelers. And I want to, <laughs> I want to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, you know, we had this game last year, and uh, we needed to win last year as well, and we did win. We came into Baltimore and we won, but uh, the, what we needed to happen last year was for the Jets to beat the Dolphins, if I remember correctly, and that did not happen, so we missed the playoffs last year. But this year, it changed, and I will get to that. But first, I want to talk about the game itself. This was a very ugly and wet game it was downpouring and it was cold the entire game I, I don't think the rain stopped and I knew right when I saw uh the game turn on I said what's the over and under going to be on fumbles in this game and literally the first play of the game Najee Harris he got the ball went to go put it in his dominant hand and the ball slipped out he did recover it and it wasn't a fumble but 
that's how ugly the game was going to start was based off of that. I knew it was going to be like that the most part of the game. The Steelers pulled this one out, though, with a win, 17-10. to 10, And I, I'm impressed, actually, with it. Like I said, the, the weather conditions were not uh, ideal. Yes, we were playing pretty much their backups, but we also have a lot of backups playing, too. And I will always be the first person to say that a win is a win always to me. I don't care if you have your starting quarterback, your backup, or some random fan off the street. A win is a win. Um, And David will say the same with his handicap division too, I'm sure. But uh, (laughs) a win is a win. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I and I got and I got something to uh, uh, say about the NFC South and, and the bu- uh, Bucks as well. Um, but we can. Uh, but I'll talk about it after uh, you know the next teams we talk about. Yeah, of course. I I would I I expect you to talk about that too. <laughs> you're you're rocking the hat. So, but uh, we did make the playoffs. But what did it cost? Um, we did have an injury to our star defensive. Uh, and our, our linebacker, and that's TJ Watt, who did uh, have an MCL strain. Uh, he will miss the first game of the playoffs, and if we do somehow win, we will hopefully get him back. But that is a big if. But how did we make the playoffs exactly? Yes, you just heard that we beat the Baltimore Ravens, but we needed a couple other things to happen, and we predicted on here the scores, and one of them was we needed Buffalo to lose to Miami, and I just didn't see that yeah. happening. We're going to talk about that. but Well, Matthew, I hate to rain on your parade, but you kind of beat the Ravens' B team. so That's what I say. Hey, a win is a win, so I'm still oh, taking it. Fair but enough, yeah. other thing that we needed, though, was – Yes, the Bills to lose, which didn't happen. But the one that I did predict to happen was that same Berlin Wall team I was just talking about, and that was the Jaguars to lose to the Tennessee Titans. And Derrick Henry's farewell game, well, he wanted to put his stamp on it, and that's exactly what he did. It was Mike Vrabel's last game, too. If you guys have not heard, Mike Vrabel has been fired as a head coach for the Tennessee Titans. But yeah. they beat their division rivals, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And lo and behold, the Pittsburgh Steelers are in the postseason. Yes, you heard that right. The Pittsburgh Steelers are in the postseason. I thank the Jaguars for the epic collapse. I thank the Tennessee Titans for putting their st- final stamp on it. And I'm thankful that we didn't have to put our faith in this bum team called the Miami Dolphins because they are oh. just not consistent anymore. But I, I can't talk much. I'm a Steelers fan right now. But that's what I do want to talk about. I want David to talk about is, well, that Buffalo Bills and Miami Dolphins game, I mean, uh, they were still playing their starters because they were both Ooh. playing for that that number two seed. And yeah. well, who got that number two seed, David? Buffalo. And this was something that I don't think a lot of people saw coming, especially after the Bills got off to a really bad 6-6 uh, six and six start. But then they fired their offensive coordinator, uh, Ken Dorsey, um, gave, uh, gave uh, Joe Brady the, uh, the uh, interim uh, OC position, and then they just kind of you know took off after that. So, like, did Joe Brady really resurrect this offense? Who knows? Um, but the, the point is, is that the Bills are the number two seed, and, well, the Dolphins are, are not. And – you know, I've ripped on the Cowboys for being frauds, but honestly, Matthew, and I, you literally said it yourself, the Dolphins are frauds too. They're the Cowboys of the AFC. Because if you look at how the Dolphins season has gone, man, they beat up on crap teams. 
And then they themselves get beat down by good teams, including like against, uh, against the bills. What was it? 48 to 20. I think against the Eagles, 31 to 17 against the Ravens, 56 to 19. They only have one win against a winning team. They're one in five against teams with winning records, frauds, as, as I said, and I don't have much faith in them, uh, you know, go, going into the playoffs. Certainly doesn't help that they have uh, key injuries, especially uh, to a guy like uh, Bradley Chubb, who is on uh, injured reserve right now. Um, listen, though, are the Dolphins a fun team? Hell yeah. Um, Tua and uh, Tyreek might, be might be the best um, quarterback wide receiver duo in the league. And Tyreek will probably win offensive player of the year. I mean, he's got very heavy competition with uh, Christian McCaffrey. I I could see either one of those two players winning offensive player of the year. But listen, I think the Dolphins still have a bright road ahead of them. I think they have a a bright future. I don't think they're going to go anywhere this year, man. Um, I think they've shown us who they are. They are a team that will beat the teams that, that, that they're supposed to beat. So kudos to them for that. But they're just not ready for prime time yet, Matthew. Yeah, you know it's like it's like watch it, when I watched them this last week, and then I watched the national championship game. I saw Tua and I saw Michael Penix. They're both lefties, and when it mattered for them to play their best game ever, they didn't. Um, and you could credit maybe if you want to you credit the Bills defense, but I feel like Tua just really dropped the ball. I saw many plays where he had wide open receivers or uh, just really misplaced the ball in that game against the Bills, and he just did not look like the Tua we've seen most of the year. I I'm happy that. We have not seen the Tua of last year being carted off in a stretcher. No one wants to see that, and I'm glad that Tua hasn't been hurt this year. Mm-hmm. But me and Ed talked about it last week when you were out, David, when you were sick, and who would I trust more, Josh Allen or Tua? And it honestly was pretty tough, but in the end, I'm like, I'm going to trust Josh Allen because Tua just hasn't really proven it to me, and I'm glad I made that choice because – when it came down to it, Tua just did not look good in this game against Buffalo. And, well, now they're going to go to the postseason, and they'll be lucky to win, and I just don't see them being favorites to win right now. Who are they? Uh, who are the Dolphins playing? So they'll be playing the three seeds. So they'll be playing um, – um, oh, gosh, why am I drawing a blank right now? Um, Is it the Browns? Are they the th- three seeds? No, or? Browns are the fifth seed. So right, um, right, yeah, that that and, makes more sense. And then the Texans are the fourth seed, so they're playing the. So obviously not the Ravens. They're playing the Chiefs, and this is another. This oh, is another okay. point that I am just upset and pissed about. Is this could be actually a prime time matchup? Like this could be a really fun game to watch. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes and Tua, Tyreek Hill. Well, are you going to be able to watch it, David? Because I won't be able to. Why? Because it's on Peacock only, which is a subscription-based platform. It's not on your NBC. It's not on your ESPN or CBS or Fox. It's on Peacock. And it's like, this game. Really? (laughs) Okay, I have a very – I have an extremely unpopular opinion. But I actually think this could be an absolute genius move by the NFL, a genius marketing move because they know how popular the NFL gets, especially when it comes to the playoffs. And they know that fans are not going to uh, 
want to miss watching their team on, on prime time. And if they have to pay a little cash to do it, then they'll do it. So I know people are ripping on this move and I was ripping on it at, at first, but I actually do think that this is a clever marketing move by the NFL. I hate it. Don't get me wrong. I, I hate it. I used to have Peacock and then I, then I canceled it and, and I don't want to pay for a freaking subscription just to watch a playoff game. So I hate it personally, but I think this is a, you know, I think from a business standpoint, this is a good move for the NFL. Well, I mean, I'm sure they thought that as well with Amazon Prime having the Thursday night games. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'd like to see if when they switch to that, have the numbers gone up or gone down. But the postseason is a different story. That is when, uh, you know, a very few teams actually had made it. So uh, I'll I'll be interested to see if more people are paying for it. And I know they I've heard that they offer free tri- trials as well. So I'll look more into that. But it's just crazy that that game of all games is on there. Um, so I, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. But another game that had playoff implications, mainly only for one team, was the Chicago Bears, the Green Bay Packers. And this might have been farewell uh, to Justin Fields. As we talked about on here, the Bears hold the number one pick. Are they going to are they going to stay with Fields and go with uh, maybe Marvin Harrison Jr. in the first pick? Or are they going to trade Fields and draft maybe Caleb Williams with the first pick? So uh, we'll be interested to see. But Justin Fields, if you did not see, did say goodbye in his postgame press conference. And because he doesn't know where he's going to be. I don't think they've even informed him. They don't even know. So uh, I I've like Justin Fields. I think he is a great guy. Um, but we're going to see how, what happens there. But Green Bay, they're on the rise right now. Green Bay has been looking really good, and Jordan Love is looking very comfortable as the Green Bay Packers quarterback. There was a lot of question marks if Jordan Love would be their guy. Uh, would they get lucky two times in a row after you had Aaron Rodgers sit behind Brett Favre, and you got to see Aaron Rodgers be one of the, the goats. And then now Jordan Love, Will he be like that? Would he fill those shoes? And Aaron Rodgers' shoes is a lot to fill, but he is looking comfortable as can be. Green Bay did win this game, and they are now officially in the playoffs. They won the game 17-9. wasn't by no means pretty based on the score, but Jordan Love, I mean, he had over 300 passing yards, and then Aaron Jones coming back and over 100 rushing yards. They're starting to click. And I'll tell you what, yes, they're going into Dallas where Dallas seems to be great at home, but they also struggle against teams that are have winning records. I mean, they practically did lose that game against Detroit, but it, that it is what it is at that point. But this is going to be a very fun, interesting game, which we will preview. But Green Bay, I, I keep my eye on them, guys. Don't sleep on them, just like we slept on the Michigan defense. Do not sleep on this team, especially playing Dallas in the first round. We know how Dallas likes to have amazing regular seasons, and then they go into the postseason and they <laughs> choke. We've talked about it before, like the Los Angeles Dodgers of baseball. Dallas Cowboys, though, are more notorious for it. They come in here and they lose. And I remember when they played, this was the Des Bryant rule, when uh, they played Green Bay that one year in the playoffs, and they lost the game because of the Des Bryant catch. Um, that was big controversy there. But they, these teams do go back and they play each other a lot, but Green Bay guys do not sleep on them just because they're a wild card. 
they're going to be a fun team to watch. So I really like what this Green Bay team has done and who they've become. Just like I said, I want to say two episodes ago, this is the worst team that we will see Jordan Love have. I think this team is only going to get better and better and better, and Green Bay knows how to win. Well, I hate to burst your bubble, um, but I don't see Green Bay going far at all. They're the youngest team in the league. Jordan Love has never uh, been in in the postseason. And while I don't think the Cowboys are going to go far in the playoffs, I think they're going to beat the Cowboys. Cowboys beat the Cowboys. I think they're going to beat the Packers uh, pretty handily. I won't give away the final score, but I've already kind of spoiled how basically how I think the the game is going to go. So, yeah, well, I mean, you're right. The Cowboys do beat the Cowboys a lot, (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) you know, you, you, you said, yes, uh, Jordan Love has not been to the postseason. Dak Prescott has, and he loses, but so I I think this game could be a lot closer than maybe it'll indicate because, uh, the Cowboys do have an elite offense. They do. And CD lamb is up there with the Tyreek Hills when it Mm -hmm. comes to offensive talent and possibly uh, being up there in the votes for offensive player of the year. I don't think he'll win it, but he'll be up there. And Dak Prescott, actually that's another thing really quick. I'll say is to hear Micah Parsons. And I get, he's your teammate. I, I respect that you want to have his back, but he said Dak for MVP, I'm sorry, bud, but no, no, Dak <laughs> is not the MVP. Yeah, I, I think mean, I think Lamar Jackson yeah. pretty much locked that. Yeah, up. how many how many games do they have won over winning teams versus Dak Prescott over winning teams this year? Yeah, <laughs> just saying. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think the Ravens have ten wins against uh, winning teams. I, I covered that in one of my uh, shorts the other week. Yeah, and Dallas would not even be the number two seed right now if it wasn't for that ref blunder. So yeah, uh, they're 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 only there because of that because Detroit did win this last week. So, but David, I I, I really I want you to talk about your uh, your Bucks and their accomplishment this year. Well, listen, um, if you had told me that that a year after going eight and nine with Tom Brady that we were going to actually end up with a winning record and a division crown, I would have laughed in your face. Matthew, I was so convinced that we were going to go back to the team that we always were. And that's just, you know, um, incomplete and total mediocrity. My final prediction, my my prediction for our uh, season was 7-10. and I never predicted where we would be placed in, in the NFC South. It was just for me. It was uh, I think we're going to go seven and ten, and then we'll see what happens uh, with that. We'll we'll see where that uh, where that leads us. Um, then you know we we get off to a three and one start, and then at one point we had a, a one and six stretch where it's like okay, like this is who the Bucks are. This is who we know we've we've always been. So uh, nobody should be surprised. And then they just ride this hot streak, and they're coming into the playoffs kind of riding on a on a hot streak. The offense hasn't hasn't been too hot lately. I mean, um, we've only scored a combined thirteen points these last two weeks, and all thirteen of, the, of those points were were in one game. Wait, no, sorry, that's not true. We scored a combined twenty two points the last uh, two weeks, uh, thirteen points against the Saints, and a loss to them. And, and only nine points against the lowly Carolina Panthers. Now, I will say, a lot of people don't know this because they've been ass 
but Carolina's got a good defense, guys. Like they have a very they have a very solid defense. They're I think they're third in total defense. And I think they're one of only three teams to allow less than 300 yards per game. I mean, sure, uh, they're giving up a lot of points because their, their offense is a uh, trash and the defense gets very tired and lets up all, all those points. But Carolina has got a good defense, guys, right? But um, but when it comes to the Bucks, man, I mean, shout out to Baker Mayfield, who had a chip on his shoulder uh, coming, to, uh, coming to Tampa, not exactly a, uh, a, a wanted man. Um, it really in the NFL, um, it felt like nobody wanted him and he comes to Tampa and really he's kind of, he's kind of embraced the culture of Tampa. And I've been hearing reports that in, in training camp that he really emerged as that vocal leader that teammates wanted. Now as a Florida fan, I, I really wanted Kyle Trask to start, especially when there were, were reports that Trask supposedly was performing better than Baker Mayfield was. But in the end, of course, uh, Baker Mayfield uh, won, won the job. And after the season he put up, I think it's safe to say um, that the coaches uh, made the, the right choice. Um, and then I look at our I look at our defense, and you can't talk about the Bucks defense without talking about Antoine Winfield Jr. And we've talked about him before, man. But oh my gosh, like he's probably not going to win defensive player of the year because sadly safeties just don't win it anymore man but we were tied for six in scoring defense and i am telling you that on paper this is not a top six scoring defensive unit at all yes we've got some pieces like antoine winfield and you know uh, vita vea levante david is still very good despite being up there in age but we also have some some guys that are just either inconsistent or just downright bad. You know, Carlton Davis, I felt like was was pretty inconsistent all year. Uh, Levo- not Levante David. Uh, Devin White has been a pretty inconsistent player for pretty much his uh, whole career. I mean, there will be game there there will be games where he's just shut down solid, and then there are other games where he just gets burned um, like, like like a piece of bad toast. And then Ryan Neal, who honestly might be the worst defensive back in the entire NFL, like the worst safety, probably the worst of defensive back. But I believe truly that that we were a good scoring defensive unit and a solid defensive unit in general because of the impact that Winfield made on the field. And that's why I think he should get heavy consideration for a uh, defensive player of the year. But, you know, man, a lot of people did not, did, not have faith, did not have faith in us. I mean, me included, I predicted us to have a losing record. I don't think a lot of people saw us winning the NFC South, but that's now three straight NFC South crowns, man. And honestly, like, I could potentially, like, seeing us running this division for quite some time. Why? Because... The Saints aren't going anywhere with Dennis Allen. I mean, you, you, we all saw how that game ended. They have no respect for Dennis Allen at all. Cl- clear as day. Um, the Falcons fired Arthur Smith, and then the Panthers are well. The Panthers, I, I could see, I could see the Bucks running this division uh, for, uh, you know, for uh, quite some time. And listen, I'm going to sound crazy for saying this, and maybe I need to be slapped back into reality. It's a long shot, but 
but I but I could kind of see the Bucks going on a dark horse Super Bowl run. I mean, we got Baker Mayfield, who I think is listen. Let, Baker's got us haters, but they need to face facts. Okay, he is not as bad as they want him to be. You know, you got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, uh, two receivers who both put up a thousand yards. Uh, like I said, Antoine Winfield, and honestly, the other thing too, Matthew, is that a lot of the guys that helped us win the Super Bowl. They're still on this team. Vita Vea, Devin White. I know I said Devin White was inconsistent, but I also said that there are games where he looks absolutely amazing. So uh, I don't don't know what's going to happen, man. Um, Who are we playing? The Eagles? Yeah, I actually, I I feel confident. I feel great against the Eagles, man. I I know they kind of um, beat us down the first time, but for us to get the one team that's spiraling out of control is what a blessing that is. So I think we're going to beat the Eagles and then we'll see what happens beyond that, man. Um, but, uh, just, you know, kudos to the Bucks, man. Um, a lot of people didn't believe in them and they proved them wrong. Me included. Yeah. I didn't expect the Bucks to have this type of season, especially, uh, at the beginning of the year with the whole Mike Evans, uh, contract drama, uh, how that was going to transpire on the field. And uh, you're looking at a Bucks team that it seems like, well, it didn't affect them as much as we thought it would. And here they are. They won the division. But uh, yeah, this this Eagles team, it's like the blueprint to beat them uh, was it came out. It was like the Krusty Krab secret I mean, that Plankton's <laughs> been trying to get. And they, they, the NFL has finally got that. And the Eagles just don't look the same. And now they're dealing with injuries. A.J. Brown went down. Um, I could see the Bucks beating this team. But it still remains that the Eagles are the Eagles, just like the Chiefs are the Chiefs. And the regular, even though they didn't do the best in the regular season, those are teams that will like to show up in the postseason. So until that happens, you can't rule them out. But with how the Eagles have been playing, though, I could see the Bucks possibly winning this game. I, I so I agree with you on that one. Um, until the Eagles show us that they want to play again, so I'm interested to see it. Well, you know what it is about about the Eagles, man. It's the loss of their former defensive coordinator, Gannon. With Gannon, the Eagles had an elite defense last year. They led the league in sacks. In fact, if, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure they broke the record for most sacks in the season, or at least they were damn close to it. But without Gannon, they've completely fallen off. The Eagles defensively this year were horrible, horrible. Yeah, yeah, they were. They did not look like the Eagles team that we had saw, and even on their offense, too. Their offense was just so legit last year, and that's more than the whole tush-push thing. They just were that good on offense that seemed like no one could even uh, hold a flame to them. But, uh, you know, that's about, for the most part, what we ha- all we have today, though, folks. But really quick, I want to ask David this one question. I already know what Ed's answer is going to be. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be the Longhorns. But really quick, David, early predictions for the national championship next year for college football. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not picking Alabama anymore, man. Um, (laughs) I'm not. uh, Yeah, I'm I'm not picking Alabama anymore. (sighs) For next, you know, for for next year, man. Quack, 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 quack. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm gonna. I'm going to say Georgia. Carson Beck is coming back, and he'll uh, he'll no doubt be one of the best quarterbacks um, ne- heading into next season. 
And then Oregon. All right, all right. It, well. <laughs> it's not even it's not even like you trying to influence me, man. Like yeah. I've I've had a pretty good feeling about Oregon, you know, going into next season. Um and as long as they have Dan Lanning, I'll always, you know, believe they have a shot. So early prediction for now, it could change folks depending on circumstances, but early prediction for now is uh Georgia and Oregon. Yeah, uh, I think uh, Georgia is a safe and uh, methodical pick, honestly, with what they've proven and the talent they're bringing back and the talent they've even gotten uh, within the transfer portal. Sorry, but uh, ETN. And then uh, in the uh, signing from recruits. But I said it on here. I said it just a, a couple episodes ago that I see the national championship game next year being Oregon versus Georgia, and I'm sticking to it. And I'm sticking to my winner, Oregon. I'm gonna sound. I'm gonna sound like a, a boomer, and just like Ed will if he's here, he's gonna say the Longhorns. And I re- love and respect that, especially the year that they had this year and who they're bringing back. Um, Oregon is also bringing a lot back too, and we are getting a lot within the transfer portal and recruits. But I I see that being the national championship game, and gosh, I hope that that is the outcome as well. So uh, that is our predictions here. Like I said, I'm sure I speak for Ed. He's going to have the Longhorns. I've got the Ducks, and I think David's got Georgia. So those are our early predictions. They could change. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. But you heard it here first. But like I said, that is about all we have today, folks. So we appreciate you uh, tuning on in. Please hit that like, that subscribe button, and drop in the comments section who you feel is maybe your early predictions for the winners next year um, and how you think some of these awards are going to be handed out here uh, in the next couple of weeks to uh, MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, etc. Uh, like to hear to see if your guys' takes are going to be close to ours, and of course what the actual winners are. So look for that video to be coming up here soon, where we discuss our predictions for the awards. But uh, we appreciate you guys coming on. Um, until next time, guys, we are rounding third, and we are headed for home. <laughs>